0: Coming up on this edition of A Daily Walk.
1: C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said the safest road to hell is the gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, and without signposts. This may come as a surprise to you this morning, but Jesus Christ spoke more on hell than he did on heaven. And I believe that that is because he wanted no person to go there. Jesus described it in his ministry as outer darkness. Think about that. If you wanna live in darkness, if you wanna live apart from God, if you wanna do your own thing and live in the darkness of this world, you will have what you desire for eternity in outer
0: darkness. What happens when we die? Perhaps, like many, you've pondered that question. Luke chapter 16 gives us a pretty good idea of the afterlife. In the account, Jesus shares about a rich man and a poor man named Lazarus. Here you have two men with completely different eternal destinations. One leads to eternal pain and torment, while the other promises an eternity of joy and bliss in the presence of God. Join us now in Luke 16 as we join Pastor John Randall for today's edition of A Daily Walk.
1: Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 19, with a message entitled, Life, Death, and Eternity. Beginning in verse 19 of chapter 16, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And he being in torment in Hades lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, father Abraham have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all of this between us and you, there is a great gulf that is fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore father, that you would send him to my father's house For I have five brothers that he may testify to them lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, father Abraham. But if, if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rise from the dead. It was Charles Spurgeon who was instructing a group of seminary students on sermon delivery. And he said to these young men, when you speak of heaven, let your face light up with a heavenly gleam. Let your eyes shine with reflected glory. And when you speak of hell, well, then your usual face will do. (laughs) Within the 16th chapter, of the gospel of luke jesus had been instructing his disciples with parabolic teaching on a number of important subjects and during that time the religious leaders confronted him and he responded to them with a strong word of rebuke yet as the chapter concludes we arrive at an extremely critical passage of scripture that deals with life and death and eternity for some people They will spend a great amount of time talking about their life, living their life, what they're involved with in their life, future plans that they're making for their life. Life is good, and they don't mind talking about it. There aren't too many people today that want to talk about death, when their life will end, nor how their life will end, and that is understandable. It seems that even fewer people want to talk about eternity and what happens after you die. It's shocking to reflect that a change in the weather seems to have more effect on some men's lives than the dread alternative of heaven or hell. But these are realities. These are realities that you don't want to put off until it's too late. Your life Your death and your eternity, these are things that you want to settle before they take place. And thankfully, the Bible has answers and gives us a blessed hope so that you don't need to fear death. You don't need to be anxious about eternity and you can truly enjoy living the life that God allows you to live. As we begin this morning, I want to point out by saying that this story that Jesus told is not considered to be a parable, but rather a true story. The parables that Jesus told were illustrations to get a hold of the listener's attention and to make a spiritual application, But there's a significant difference between this story that we just read and the parables that Jesus told in his ministry. For one thing, this account is never referred to as a parable. The second thing to make note of is that within the story, there is mentioned a man by name, Lazarus, and we never in any parables have any person's name mentioned. And so this story begins with two men. And these two men lived completely different lives. It begins with the rich man. And it says concerning him in verse 19 that he was clothed in purple and fine linen and he fared sumptuously every day. It does not say that this wealthy man was involved in some kind of defiling sinful behaviors, but it does tell us something about the way in which he lived his life. Tells us that he was clothed in the finest of apparel. When it speaks of his robes of purple, those types of garments were appropriated to royalty alone. In Jesus' day, that was the attire of the wealthy, of the greats, of the people who were favorites in the courts of princes, the robes of purple that he wore were very costly. And the reason is because of the scarcity of a particular type of shellfish that would be obtained for their precious and priceless dye. Historically, the Phoenicians were actually people who would were known to extract the rich varieties of purple from that fish. And they would place it into garments. And because there was such a shortage, people desired it. And only the wealthy could afford it. He was clothed. In robes of purple. In addition to that, it says that he wore fine linen. And the fine linen consisted of an undervest or a tunic made of Egyptian flax, which was of a soft texture. And it was so expensive, people said that it was worth its weight in gold. It was worn by princes, by priests, and people of great estate. And so to say that this man was dressed in purple and fine linen, nothing more was needed to indicate the costliness and magnificence of this man's exterior attire. It also says that he fared sumptuously every day. And that simply means that he lived in luxury. This wasn't an occasional experience, but rather it was a daily occurrence. He was gorgeously arrayed, sumptuously fed, And nobly lodged. And as such, he lived a very self absorbed life. He was consumed with his wealth. He thought very little of others. And there certainly was no real thought of God, as we'll see, for his possessions actually were his God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19 unto his disciples Assuredly I say to you, how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Paul, in writing to Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9, said, Those who desire to be rich, they fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in perdition. In comparison now to the unnamed rich man, we are introduced to an identified poor man whose name is Lazarus. And it says here that he was a beggar, that he was full of sores, and he was laid at the gate desiring to be fed with crumbs, and only the dogs came and licked the sores that he had. The name Lazarus means God is my helper. He was a beggar, probably paralyzed because it said there were people who had to bring him and lay him at the gate daily. And the only means of survival that he had was hoping that somebody would bring some kind of alms or or coins and give them to him, feeling sorry for him. It says that his physical condition was diseased. He could not get proper treatment. And the only friends that he had were the dogs of the streets. That would come and lick his sores. What a miserable existence this was. It appears that because Lazarus was laid at the gate of the rich man, the rich man could have assisted him. He could have helped him. He could have reached out to him, but he never took any notice of him at all, though he did know who he was. One life lived in complete luxury with all the comforts that one could desire. And another life of pain, without comfort, without help or assistance. This is how they lived their lives on the earth. But everything changed the moment that they died. There was a great reversal that occurred that we read about in verse 22. It says, so it was that the beggar died. And the angels came and carried him to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died. And he was buried. And in Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Make note of this. They both died. The poor man who had nothing, he died. The rich man who had everything, he also died. 10 out of 10 people die. It's something that you can't get around, no matter how much money you have or how much money you don't have. Eventually you will die. The only way to escape death is the rapture. And I'm holding out. I want to be caught up to be with the Lord. I'm looking for that blessed hope. But if he takes me before then I am prepared to go and perfectly you are as well. But the departures, these men's departures from the earth were very different from one another. They did not leave the same way and they did not end up in the same place. Death was not the end of their existence. And it's not the end of your existence or mine either. The Bible tells us that when a Christian dies, it means to be in the presence of the Lord. But when an unbeliever dies, it means to be separated from the presence of the Lord. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it is appointed unto man once to die, and then comes the judgment. Jesus said in John eleven twenty-five. 25, you remember he said to them, I am the resurrection, John eleven thirty five. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Paul gave comfort to the believer who dies. You remember when he said in 2 Corinthians 5, we are confident. In fact, we're willing to be absent from the body because then we're present with the Lord. Here we're given a glimpse by Jesus of something glorious that takes place when a child of God dies. It says that the angels come and carry them away to the Lord. What a beautiful picture that is death for the child of God. It's like going to sleep. The Bible says it's like falling asleep. And when you die, the angels come, take your soul and they carry it to the presence of the Lord. And when you awake, you awake in the presence of Jesus. Notice what it says about Lazarus and this rich man. Lazarus was carried to a place called Abraham's bosom and the rich man went to a place called Hades, a place of torment. Now it is important to have some biblical clarification on the difference between Hades and hell. Hades is not hell. Hades is the Old Testament equivalent of a place called Sheol which was the common abode of the dead. Whereas hell, as referred to in Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, is the lake of fire. During the ministry of Jesus, he gave a description of what hell would be like. He said that it would be like Gehenna. Gehenna was the garbage dump of the city of Jerusalem. It was located in the Valley of Hinnom, just outside of Mount Zion. And there they would put the refuse of the city. It was also a place where they would burn the carcasses of dead animals and cremate bodies. And there in the Valley of Hinnom in Gehenna, there was a constant fire that was burning continually with all the garbage and all the refuse and all these, these carcasses, they would constantly burn and a a stench was over that place. And Jesus said, if you want to know what, hell's like, that's what it's like. A fire that continually burns. So the question becomes then, what is Hades or Sheol as it is called in the old Testament? Hades is a waiting place for the non-believer until the time of the great white throne judgment. You say, how do you know that? The Bible tells us that in the book of Revelation chapter 20, when John writes, he said, I saw the dead small and great. They were all standing before God and the books were open and another book was open, which was the book of life and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books and the sea gave up the dead and those who were in it and death and Hades was delivered up or delivered up the dead who were in them and they were judged each according to their works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Hades, we discover here in Luke chapter 16 that Jesus revealed and many scholars and commentators would agree with this, that Hades was originally divided into two compartments. One part was called paradise or Abraham's bosom. The other location was Hades proper where there was fire and torment and judgment. Have you ever asked yourself the question, what happened to the Old Testament saints when they died? Where'd Abraham go? Where'd Isaac go, Jacob and and, and David and Solomon and Nathan and Gideon and, and the list goes on. Where did they all go? I believe that they went to this place known as paradise or abraham's bosom why because they were waiting for the messiah to come they couldn't go to heaven the messiah hadn't come and paid for the sins of the world so they were waiting in this place of comfort an idiom for comfort was abraham's bosom paradise that's where they were waiting the bible tells us in ephesians chapter 4 verses 8 through 11 the apostle paul said these words He said concerning Jesus, when he ascended on high, he led captivity, captive, and he gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? It means that Jesus also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. And he who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Listen carefully. At his birth, Jesus descended from the heights of glory, from the heights of heaven to this earth to be born in a stable in Bethlehem. He left the glories of the heavenlies to save fallen humanity. But Paul tells us in Ephesians that when he died at his death, Jesus descended even further into the lower parts of the earth. What does that mean? You recall when Jesus was being questioned by the Pharisees, they said, show us a sign and we'll believe in you. Show us a sign from heaven. And Jesus responded by saying, no sign shall be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so shall the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus goes to the cross. He is there being crucified on either side of him. There are two thieves. One of the thieves is converted while they're hanging there on the cross. And he says to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, Jesus responds. And he said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Following his death upon Calvary, Jesus went down into, descended into the lower parts of the earth, went to that other side of Hades. Abraham's bosom, paradise, proclaimed his victory over sin and death, and then he led captivity, captive to glory. Paradise was emptied at that moment. However, Hades remains. It is the place where all the unsaved go to await the great white throne judgment that will occur after the thousand year reign of Christ when Hades will give up its dead and it will be judged and cast into the lake of fire. When your loved ones die, who know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and savior, they are with the Lord for eternity in heaven. To be absent from a body, what a blessing. To be present with the Lord, but that's not the case for the person who rejects the message of the gospel for the rich man in this story was in torment. There are some who think that when you die, that's the end. You simply go into the grave, you cease to exist. We have people portraying in movies and commercials and lyrics of songs that hell is just one great big New Year's Eve party that goes on and on and on. They show DJs down there and all this kind of nonsense. The Bible does not teach that. There are many who are even today unwilling to preach on the subject of hell, or even say that word in the church today. Some will say that it doesn't exist. There are false religious systems out there today that say, well, that's just a a figment of of somebody's religious imagination. It's something that is that some Protestant, Orthodox, Ten Commandment, protecting, Bible-thumping, religious fanatic came up with to scare people into their beliefs. Well, I don't believe it, someone might say. There are millions of Jehovah's Witnesses and there are Seventh-day Adventists who believe in what is called annihilationism, that they believe that God will ultimately annihilate the unrighteous and they will simply cease to exist. The Bible doesn't teach that. Furthermore, there are Buddhists, Hindus, Hare Krishnas, and those who hold to the teachings of New Age religion that believe in reincarnation. And reincarnation is the belief that you upon death, your soul migrates. It moves on to inhabit another life form, be it an animal or an insect or some other human, depending on the karma that you had in your first life while you were here. The Mormon church denies the biblical teaching on hell and teaches that all, even the worst of sinners will find a place in the lower levels of heaven. The Bible doesn't teach that. There are others who are a part of what is known as the emergent church movement, and they have bought into something called universalism. And universalism is the belief that because of Jesus' death on the cross, all people will eventually be saved. The Bible does not teach any of those things. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, and without signposts. This may come as a surprise to you this morning, but Jesus Christ spoke more on hell than he did on heaven. And I believe that that is because he wanted no person to go there. Jesus described it in his ministry as outer darkness. Think about that. If you want to live in darkness... If you want to live apart from God, if you want to do your own thing and live in the darkness of this world, you will have what you desire for eternity in outer darkness. Jesus said not only outer darkness, but continual weeping. And wailing and gnashing of teeth, flames, everlasting fire, he said. A furnace of fire, he called it. Separation from the righteous. Eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord. Torment, everlasting punishment. A lake of fire burning with brimstone. That is how he described it for us. And I'll take Jesus' words over any man's words. This rich man, we also find from this story, make note of this. His five senses were still in operation. In this place of torment. This place known as Hades. For one thing he could see. He could see Father Abraham there. And Lazarus there comforted by Father Abraham. Also notice he could feel pain. He said send Lazarus over here. Just to dip his finger in water. And, and touch the tip of my tongue. I am, in, I am tormented in this flame around me. He could feel it. He was being consumed by this fire. Also notice this. He remembered He remembered the life that he lived. Abraham said, son, remember, remember that when you lived your life, this is how you live. He had the cognizance, the awareness, and now it was complete and eternal regret.
0: You've been listening to A Daily Walk with our pastor and teacher, John Randall. We're going through the Gospel of Luke right now to get the CD that contains today's message for a cost of $5. Go online to adailywalk.org or call us at 877-242-0828. The toll-free number once again, 877-242-0828. We also house our recent programs at a adailywalk.org, and you'll find them on our mobile app as well. Do a search for Calvary South OC and download it for free today. At the beginning of a new year, it's a great time to kickstart your devotional life with the Lord, and we'd like to get a great devotional into your hands to help you along. It's A Daily Walk for Women by Michelle Randall, Pastor John's wife. Recently published and expanded to 366 readings, you can now be encouraged each day for this new year. Maybe request one or two extra to give away. Request A Daily Walk for Women for the special price of $15 when you call 877-242-0828 or go online to adailywalk.org. Please remember, it's your generosity that helps us remain a biblical voice on stations like this one all across the nation. With your help, we're delivering God's good news at a critical time in human history. No gift is too small to be used by God in great ways. Again, our number is 877-242-0828. Or you can donate online at a You know, we're reminded on a continual basis that the Lord is doing great things through the radio and the internet today. And maybe He's doing something amazing in your life. We want to hear about that. Pastor John would be very encouraged by what you have to say. Write to us today by email at a at gmail.com. That's a daily walk at gmail.com. Come on back next time when Pastor John Randall will share another study in the Gospel of Luke to help us in our daily walk. This program is brought to you by Calvary South OC and made possible through your generosity.